Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Even as I shared Sunday, just how the Lord used ordinary shepherds to proclaim the first advent, and he uses still ordinary people to proclaim and to declare the second advent, the second coming. Jesus used people with failures, people with faults, people with frailties, people who are fickle, people who, again, get distracted distracted very easily, and all of these things yet to glorify his name, because again, as the word says, it just, uh, it, it just brings out the greatness of the treasure that's within us, not us, but the treasure that's within us. The scriptures are full of people that only God could have called into ministry. Biblical heroes of faith would have often been unqualified to be in ministry for many reasons. Pastor David challenges us to consider that it is God in us and God's call that qualifies us for ministry. Whatever we've done in the past, God can change us and use us. It is the power of God within you that matters most, and Scripture shows us how God used people way beyond their natural ability. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Paul's Resume. been my occasion through the years, not only as pastor, but actually when I served in other church work, and I've been serving in church work since I was about 19 years of age. It's been several occasions during that time that people would know me, and they are applying for a job, and they ask me to write for them a letter of recommendation. Now, in many cases, that's not a problem, but what really gets weird is when I only see the people like on a Sunday morning. I really don't know them. I know their name. I know, you know that much about them, but I don't know how well they work. I don't know how well they get together or get along with other people. I just don't know that much. And then every once in a while, there's also the ones that I do know, and so I have absolutely no problem writing those letters of commendation. But then every once in a while, there's the ones like I got a couple of requests I got a couple of months ago, somebody that actually left our church because they said our church was causing them spiritual harm. They'd left a year or so ago, and for whatever reason, they, they contacted me about a month or so ago and asked if I would write a letter of commendation for them. I said, man, I could mess you up so bad. <laughs> okay, that's the flesh speaking. Actually, you know, I, I thought to myself, I, I really don't know what to say for you. It's difficult. Giving letters of recommendation, turning in resumes, 
starting in resume, sometimes that can be such a pain. So, you know, for our own personal resume to write out what we've done in the past and we're trying to, quote unquote, impress somebody that we're trying to get a position with. So, of course, we're going to list all of our good factors, right? We're going to list all the things that are good about us that are going to qualify us for the job. But every once in a while, we just don't have enough experience in that area to really puff up our resume big enough. Some folks have said that if we looked at the resume of the disciples, that uh, very seldom would any of us hire any of them at all. I mean, think of it for a moment. Simon Peter, so uh, what have you done with most of your life? Well, I was, I was a fisherman. I was a, I was a businessman. I was a, I was a successful businessman. And uh, how well did you interact with people? Well, every once in a while, I would, I would say things totally, totally off course. And suddenly, you know, sometimes I would really stick my foot in my mouth and say the wrong thing. And you think, well, maybe you could become president of the United States, but that's, that's a whole other issue there. But you look at the sons of uh, Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Well, uh, how do you guys deal with personal conflict? Well, we just call down fire from heaven to deal with it and just take care of that one. You look at these guys and you think, oh, not too many of them would I put in a position of authority, particularly to carry on a ministry that I'm going to be gone for a while. But yet that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, even as I shared Sunday, just how the Lord used ordinary shepherds to proclaim the first advent, and he uses still ordinary people to proclaim and to declare the second advent, the second coming. Jesus used people with failures, people with faults, people with frailties, people who are fickle, people who, again, get distracted distracted very easily, and all of these things yet to glorify his name, because again, as the word says, it just, uh, it, it just brings out the greatness of the treasure that's within us, not us, but the treasure that's within us. Well, when we get further into the study tonight, we're going to see how Paul, once again, has to bring his his uh, letters of recommendation, if you would, uh, his commendations, his uh, resume, if you would, to the church in Corinth. And we're in Second Corinthians as we're continuing on in that study. They Apparently, uh, there's a real question as whether he really had the authority to speak and to do what uh, he was saying. And you think, for Paul... We're going to see that what he declared was that the church there at Corinth really was his letter of recommendation, that the church of Corinth was his resume. Think about that for a moment, and then tell me whether or not you'd have hired Paul. When you think about the church at Corinth, we've been going through them for quite a while now, and all the issues and the problems and the struggles. And Paul's going to tell us in a little bit, you know, you're my epistle, You're the example of my ministry, you as a church. Wow. Paul is overlooking a whole lot of faults, and what a heart of Jesus that Paul had for that church there, because in the same way that he overlooked the faults of the people there at Corinth, the Lord looks over our faults too, amen? The Apostle Paul had just shared with the church, again, we're in 2 Corinthians right now, we're ending up chapter 2, we're going to be going into chapter 3, but there in chapter 2, he had shared with the church of Corinth how their lives needed to be a solid representation of Christ. And if you'll remember in verse 16, he used these phrases, we are the fragrance of Christ. 
He said that for some, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And again, we spoke about the fact that that's a demonstration when we demonstrate and walk in holiness and righteousness in our own lives, that makes a glaring difference between what the rest of the world is. Not that we're walking around holier than now, pointing fingers at people and, and beating them down with our you know big family Bible, but just the reality that, no, I'm I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to have that attitude. No, I'm not going to join in with this kind of a thing. So the righteous choices of our life are actually convicting to the world around us. Hopefully in the midst of that conviction that then they turn to look and to see what is it that you have that I don't have? Why is your life, again, even in the midst of all the struggle, why is there still a, a, a peace and a calmness or at least a, a continuing direction in your life? He says, for some were the aroma of death leading to death, but to others were the aroma of life leading to life. So once people understand what's going on in the life of believers and once believers really and truly take a stand for Christ in their life, in their actions, attitudes, words, everything about them, then again, we are a living witness of the hope of the gospel to the world around us. So if they want to reject it, again, it's condemnation to them. But when they come to receive it, man, that's just pouring life into them as they, again, come to faith in Christ. But I love what Paul says here. He ends up that little section, that, that verse 16, where he says, and who is sufficient for these things? After all of I just said about us making the holy choices, the righteous choices, us maintaining peace and calmness in the midst of turmoil and struggle, us being a consistent testimony of Christ to a lost and dying world around us. Paul asks the question, man, who? Who is sufficient for these things? I don't know about you, but even after sharing these verses the last time that we were together, I still didn't do a very good job of being that sweet-smelling aroma of Jesus to the world that was around me. I still had issues. There, there. I, I failed on some occasions over the last week or so. I, I let my impatience get the best of me. I, I let my anger come into play. And oh, by the way, as much as I wish I could say it was, it was not necessarily righteous anger that got in the way. It was just anger, okay? I let my attitude, I let my flesh rear its ugly head again. Who is sufficient for these things? I don't know, maybe you don't have that problem, but I do on a regular basis, man. If I'm not totally dialed in and totally focused in on the Lord, and man, all the time, that flesh jumps up every chance and every opportunity. And there's sometimes, even when I'm focused on the things of the Lord, that this rising storm starts bubbling up in the back, and all of a sudden it breaks its way through here. I, I tell people, yeah, we, we die daily, but uh, daily, too, my, my, my old flesh keeps knocking the lid off the coffin and wants to make his way uh, seen and known all around us. So it was sufficient for these things. So much for me being the essence of Christ, right? I don't know, maybe you've got it down, maybe you're doing better, but even in our failings, even in the multitude of our failings, we realize we can't do it effectively on our own anyway. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how focused, it's like the guy that prays in the morning. He says, Lord, this is, this is a beautiful day that you've given us, and Lord, I've, I've got my mind stayed on you, and I haven't fallen into sin. I've, 
I don't have a bad attitude, Lord. I've got righteous thoughts. I I just want to honor you, Lord, in everything that I do today. Thank you that thus far today I've not allowed the enemy to get a hold of my life. But, Father, pretty soon I have to get out of bed. (laughs) It'd be nice if we could keep it in a nice little closet the entire time, but that's not what God has called us to do, is it? He's called us to live and work and touch lives. And you know what that means, that the outside world sees our failings too. How do we deal with these things? How do we do with it? It's only as the Holy Spirit not only fills but overflows our life that that right aroma comes out. I know exactly what Paul is asking here. Who's sufficient for these things? It's only as we allow the Holy Spirit to control those thoughts and those actions and those attitudes that the sweetness of Jesus is fully and completely present. Otherwise, you know what? We smell like old socks, yeah, or, or worse, you know, because again, it's the flesh. It's the dead, decaying flesh that the world starts smelling. Now, in verse 17, that's this, all that there was what we looked at last week. So here we go. We're going to forge ahead here. In verse 17 of chapter 2, I think that Paul here changes gears again there in verse 17. Now, we spoke about that earlier on in the study, how Paul seems to have maybe a little bit of ADD going on, attention deficit uh, disorder, where suddenly, well, there's something going on here, and suddenly he changes, and he can be riding along here, and you're tracking with him. All of a sudden, he starts talking about something else. And if you're not careful when you're reading or studying his word, I mean, you you can really get uh, uh, confused about it. And I think that's one of the reasons why Peter said there's some of the things that Paul's writing that, man, they're, 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 they're confusing. They're hard to understand. As deep as Paul is in his writings, sometimes, again, we, we just really need to pay attention. Now, he is going to bring back there in chapter 3 this whole idea of sufficiency, but he's going to bring it back in a different way and with a, a different slant on the discussion. But there in chapter 2, verse 17, Paul is going to begin a whole new topic of discussion that's broke that 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 is actually it's been broken up by our chapter designations. I think that verse 17 should have been with chapter 3. It just flows better with it. It's kind of a lead on to this topic that he's going to be speaking about of personal commendations, personal recommendations. Look at verse 17. Look what it says. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God. But as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. And move right into chapter 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You see how, how this kind of all fits together and in the time and in the location of Corinth as well as in other areas, there was a lot of false prophets that were quickly coming in on the scene. How the church got so filled with these false teachers so quickly, it is absolutely, I believe, demonic. Because again, the church had just been birthed. It wasn't very old. We're we're talking about in the mid-60 ADs right here. So the church is 30 years old at best, and already every one of the writers in the New Testament warn us of false teachers, of false prophets rising up, of false doctrine that's coming. Why? Because the enemy is doing everything that he can to destroy 
the purity of the message and the hope of the gospel. He's doing everything that he can to bring in division and destruction within these church bodies, whether they're large church bodies or small little groups, whatever it might be. If he could bring in some destructive heresy to divide the group or get them off track, then he succeeds squelching the the truth and the hope and the message of the gospel. Just by way of reminder for all of us, whenever God is working powerfully, that might be in your own personal life, might be in your family life, might be in the church life itself, but whenever God is working powerfully, you can just bet that the enemy is already plotting some way of a counterfeit or some way of division within it because he does not want the ship of faith to reach the shore that's intended for us. He wants to knock us off course as quickly as he can. How far off course does Satan need to kick us as a church to keep us from reaching the goal that God has set for us? Not very far. How many of you have ever, uh, you've actually piloted an airplane? Anybody in here? So about four or four or five of you. If you were flying from here to, uh, we'll just pick some place easy, say Yuma. Oh, that's easy. Just follow Interstate 8, right? But say you didn't have that. And you set your compass or your, your direction for a certain degree and angle to, to hit to Yuma. If you were off, say, two degrees, well, by the time you got to Yuma, you'd be miles away from it. You'd have to make some major corrections to get back to where you were wanting to go. But if I had only that two degrees difference and I was flying from Casa Grande or Phoenix and I was flying to Hawaii, I would miss it totally. And the longer the journey, the more right the message of the gospel needs to be, the more pure our understanding of the word of God needs to be because the longer the journey and the further off we get, beloved, we get further and further and further away from what the Lord intended for the church to be. And that's why Paul is so adamant as far as writing to Corinth and getting these instructions and getting these corrections. That's why, like a, like a father, he, he keeps, in, in essence, I don't want to say pounding, I don't think that's the word, but just continually hitting on certain areas here that need to be corrected in their lives. These false teachers and these false prophets, they would come in, they would expect the churches to support them, even though they really weren't men of God. They, they, they weren't sent by Paul. They weren't sent by any of the apostles. They would come in speaking as though they have some big authority, but the only authority they really had was themselves. Paul says, man, we're not peddling this thing. We're not peddling the word of God like so many. Paul uses that phrase, peddling the word of God in the New King James. In the King James, it's translated as corrupting the word of God. The, the, The word translated peddling or corrupting actually is only used this time in all of the, the Greek New Testament. The idea of this particular word actually is adulterating or even a clearer understanding of it is watering down, watering down. The the full sense of the word comes from these merchants that would dilute the wine with water. So instead of one bottle of wine, you get two and they would sell it for the full price. It's that idea 
We're not going around diluting the word. We're not peddling it, trying to get money from it. We are trying to give you the the pure, unadulterated word of God. And again, Paul would not water down the gospel message. He laid it out clear. He laid it out plain. He laid it out without excuse. But the problem is, is all too often, back then, and yeah, even today, preachers and teachers of the word, they'll, they'll water down the word They'll water down the hard things of the word in order to gain a greater audience. Instead of calling sin, sin, they may not even use the word sin. They may use other things and they may push a feel good, be comfortable, do a good deed kind of a gospel that, beloved, those are good things to do and I wouldn't distract from us doing those things, but that's not the fullness of the gospel. They're watering down the gospel for gain. They don't want to offend someone with the truth. But I don't know about you, but every once in a while I need to be offended I, I I need somebody to kind of, hey, wake up. You're going the wrong direction. That's going to bring destruction. Every once in a while, I, I just need somebody to just blatantly tell me the truth, no matter how hard it, it hits me. I mean, let's look at it this way. If you went to the doctor and all the tests came back, the doctor saw, man, this massive cancer, but, you know, there's a chance that we go in there, operate, take that cancer out. I don't want to offend you by saying you have cancer. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. And so they go on and go on and go on until finally that cancer metastasizes all over the body. And why didn't you tell me that three years ago? Well, I I, I didn't want to scare you. I didn't want to offend you. You see, there's many within the world today that are going to a multitude of churches that will not speak the truth, will not tell them, no, that, that's sin in your life, and you can't keep going that way and say that you're still honoring God in your life. And that's the amazing thing is when people say, no, I love the Lord, but they continue to live on in a way or in a pattern that you, man, is so blatantly wrong from what the Word of God says. The Word of God is true, and every man is a liar. That's the truth. That's what we can hold on. Okay, that was all free. That wasn't really in my message. We're going to come back to the message now. The Word of God ought to be a wake-up call to us, and we dare not water it down. We dare not try to soft-sell it. Paul told the Corinthians that the message he brings is as of sincerity from God. We speak in the sight of God in Christ is what he says there in verse 17. And when Paul speaks of sincerity, he speaks of declaring the word in, in, in a purity, in, a, in an honesty. And again, the Greek word here speaks of pure or transparent. Albert Barnes translates it as unmingled honesty and simplicity of aim. I love that. Unmingled honesty. I, I don't have a little bit of falseness and a little bit of untruth in this. No, it's unmingled honesty and simplicity of aim. I'm just shooting straight. I don't don't need any trick shots. 
I don't need to, you know, shoot behind my back. No, simplicity of aim. I'm going to lay the word of God out so that we can all understand it. Dwight L. Moody said many, many years ago, he says, we need to, we as, as pastors and, and teachers of the word, we need to study the word of God, be fully understanding to rightly divide the Word of God. We need to dig deep into the Word of God. But when it comes to teaching our congregations, we need to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that everybody can reach them, so that everybody can share in it. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love he has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in. Being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.